It would seem to me that we spend most of our life trying to work out God as a Christian. Is he really present or not? Some days it would feel like his presence is more real than others. Would you say that's true? We stand in groups like this and declare that he is good. And then by Tuesday, we have a question mark over his goodness because something or someone has cut in on our lives and suddenly we're distracted by our problems and not by his person. It would seem we're a little bit on and offable with God. <clears throat> it's a bit like those daisy chains that you used to have as a child when you made them sitting on a grassy bank as you lifted a daisy and you said, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And you were praying that it would even out and you'd come right back to he loves me. In fact, your whole day could be ruined if you ended up on he loves me not. But I want to put your mind at rest this afternoon because it's time for us to resign in our hearts to believe and to be convinced and convicted about certain things pertaining to God. It's time to stop being hesitant or inconsistent about what we say we believe is true because by the measure of our inconsistency, our progress as Christians is thwarted. God either is here or he's not. And in fact, the truth of that does not depend on what you feel. It's got nothing to do with how good the worship is and everything to do with the truth of his character, who he promised us where two or more gather together in his name in the midst he would be. I often find myself quite soulish as a Christian, but yet I've been invited to have a confidence in someone and in something that's far more reliable than just my feelings or emotions. Do you know that you probably have about 20 different emotions in the space of five, maybe 10 minutes? Our emotions are valuable and good, but they are not necessarily reliable. And sometimes our emotions carry us along in life, either for good or for bad. So we need somewhere and someone and some place to be able to depend upon that's far more consistent and permanent than just our emotions. And Jesus refers to himself in terms that I think are helpful to us. He says he is the rock of our salvation. Our salvation is not based on what we feel. It's not based on the fact that we're having a good time or a good season or even a bad time. And we need to get rid of these heavenly daisies that keep on arriving us to a point of maybe indecision or inconsistency in our reality in God. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes this statement. It's a bold statement and indeed quite alarming for some of us because the truth is the kind of life that we've all been searching for, we have looked for in other people. We've looked for it in happiness, we've looked for it in satisfaction, we've looked for it in relationships and acclaim and all kinds of things that are human, but actually Jesus highlights to us that he is exactly what we've been looking for in all the wrong places. He is the right answer to the question of the human soul. He says in John 10.10, 10, 
the thief comes to steal and destroy. In other words, there is a matter and a part of life where many things are being battled for. Your mind, your heart, your life, your soul, what is good in your life. Do you find that sometimes it's harder to keep what is good than it is to keep what is bad? A great moment often seems fleeting, but a bad moment can abide with you for 20, 30, 40 years. Have you noticed that if you've ever had a child, you don't have to teach them to do what is wrong? It comes natural to them to be greedy, to be selfish, to be self-indulgent. As a parent, you have to teach your child to do what is right. We seem to have a default to the negative, and really, we need to start thinking a little bit more in the affirmative. The thief comes to steal and destroy. Is there anybody like me in this room who finds holding on to the good things that you have in God a consistent and persistent battle? Give me a wave if that's you. Oh, so there's only three of us in the room. I would like to protest that the rest of you are either asleep or dead. <laughs> because whether you want to confess this or want to accept this, when God does something good in our life, we enter into a battle zone where the enemy or the thief, as it's described here, comes to steal. I wonder how many dreams have been stolen from you by disappointment. How many God-given desires for good relationships have been thwarted by somebody's rejection? I wonder how many times you have hoped and dreamt for a better life to find that those hopes were dashed on the reality of your circumstances. The thief comes to steal. He comes to steal your hope. He comes to steal your joy. Now, some of us don't have much of that, so we need to hold on to it. He comes to steal your love and affection for God. And he comes to steal your confidence that God is with you and for you. You are and I am in a consistent battle trying to stop the thief from taking from us. And with the best will in the world, I find that slightly exhausting. Don't you? Don't you find that it's a battle to live in relationship with God? Do you, like me, struggle with intimacy? Do you long to know him, but you're so distracted by everything else but him? Is there not this incredible sense of a need to be intentional about everything pertaining to him? And yet you can be accidental by all kinds of measures with all kinds of things and end up in all kinds of places, but the battle for your soul, the battle for this life that Christ has indeed promised us is a consistent one for those who profess to be Christian. We're fighting against the cultural norms. We're fighting against our own self and our flesh and our desires. We want instant gratification whenever God has promised us a position in heaven and treasure where earth and rust and moth cannot destroy. We live consistently distracted by the temporal and we fail to give attention to the eternal. And so you and I, if you're honest this afternoon, we have this belief that God is good, perhaps somewhere in the back of our minds, but we have this inconsistency in relationship to our confidence that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he promises he will do. It's difficult some days to keep believing that, don't you find? 
It's hard in some seasons of life to stay clear in our minds and our hearts about the goodness of God. So you're in a battle. And what we do with that battle is we do our best to avoid it. We hide behind all kinds of spiritual things. I found that people, particularly Christians, are escapologists. We like to escape all kinds of things. Not eschatologists, those who study the end times, but escapologists who want out of every problem and out of every difficulty and out of every circumstance. In fact, what we say when we think like that is, God, if you were good, you would make this go away. God, if you were good, I wouldn't have a bad day. God, if you were good, he or she might stay. God, if you were good, you'd find a better way. We are consistently trying to run away from the reality of life, believing that if we avoid such things, we'll actually encounter him. But my good news for you this afternoon is right smack bang in the middle of your ordinary everyday life, there is a possibility and a hope and a belief, and I believe for me, a confidence that God is present. He's right there in the midst of it with you. So in John 10.10, for all of us good news searchers, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and destroy. Have you found it a bit of a battle to hold on to the good in your life? Give me a wave. Three of us, we're getting into four. Some of us have no arms, I think. That's why we can't wave. But Jesus adds to that. He doesn't just leave us there with that great sense of it's going to be difficult or hard. He says, but I have come. In other words, I have stepped into your reality. I have taken an initiative to move towards you in your humanity. I have stepped out of my glory into human frailty. I have turned up in your broken world, and I've brought my glory. Jesus says, because I am here and the kingdom is in me and has come through me, you now have hope of a new life and a good life. And it won't be that the troubles will disappear. It just means that you will treasure me in the midst of them. Jesus says, the thief has come to steal and destroy but I came into your world. I came into your family. I came into your life so that you may have life and life in all its fullness. How many of us struggle to accept that either God wants that for us or has indeed made it available to us? But the whole point of Jesus coming into our world wasn't just to set us free from the sin and the condition of our soul that separated us from him, Jesus came to do so much more than that. He came to win our hearts and to bring us back into the relationship that brings life to every part of our human experience. Jesus has restored us through his act of death and resurrection to the glorious, wonderful Father. And we are now connected to the Father through the finished work of Jesus. And of course, let me say this to you. In God, there is fullness of life. In God, there is hope. In God, there is peace. In God, there is joy. And because I have been reconnected to God, I now have access to all of the attributes that are available to me through His nature and character. 
Of course, I will never be omnipresent. In other words, I know as a pastor, some people think I have to be. In other words, I can't be everywhere at the same time. I will never be all-powerful, omnipotent, but I can be holy as he is holy. I can be joyous as he is joyous. I can live in peace because he is my prince of peace. This life that Jesus has purchased for us is an abundant life. It's a full life. It's a good life. And it's a life that God, in his great wisdom, invites us to so that we can put down our daisy and say, he loves me, he will always love me, and he will never stop loving me. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. There is a battle for your attention, a battle for the good thing that God's doing in your life. You cannot be passive in that. You must be fierce with that. You must take everything captive that seeks to steal from you the good life that Christ has indeed afforded you. But more importantly than trying to avoid some of those things, which I think we do, we need to come to a place of accepting that actually God's preferred way of bringing this new life is to connect us back in worship and adoration and praise and prayer with him, that this life that is fulfilled in him actually starts to fulfill some things in me. If you want an abundant life, you won't find it in your workplace. You will not even find it in your marriage. You won't find it in fathering or mothering children. For that which is broken reproduces that which is broken. But because we are born again of the Spirit, that which is pure and perfect reproduces that which is pure and perfect. The God inside of you begins to open up your soul to the reality of his nature, inviting you more and more and more to live in the completeness and the fullness and the blessing of who he is. And his dream for your life is simply this, that every part of you would be alive. Your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your relationships, your finances, your sex life. Yes, God's even interested in the parts that you think he isn't. Because Jesus came that you should have life and life in all its fullness. And how do we walk into and work with this new life that's been afforded to us? Well, the Bible tells us this, that in his presence there is fullness of joy and there is life evermore at his right-hand side. So it's only in his presence that we start to experience his fullness. And when we start to experience his fullness, our lives begin to change. They begin to be transformed from the inside out because there is nothing that God can't reach and no one that God can't teach how to walk and to live in the reality of his blessed self. God has entrusted us with the preoccupation of our lives, which is to know him. And as we grow in our knowledge of him, we grow in our capacity to live for him. And this life that Jesus Christ has purchased for us is found in his presence. To know God is to know life. To know God is to know peace. To know God is to know hope. And to know God is to know a real sense of courage to the way that I think and the way that I act and the way that I live. And I believe for us this afternoon that it's important to come to terms with those realities. I can guarantee you that the battle for your life is a raging one that exists 
currently and persistently in your heart. The good things that God has given you seem sometimes to be fleeting or slightly temporary. And it's probably because the enemy comes to steal them. When God begins to bring blessing to a human soul, it's not fireworks in the sky. It's seeds planted in a heart. And sometimes because they're planted and they seem very, you know, insignificant in their value, we don't always pay attention to them. We don't always work with them and we don't water them with prayer and we don't visit them in a way that is encouraged or hope-filled. Sometimes they're just forgotten. But what God's placed inside of you is the power of Jesus. He's given you the power to become like Jesus. He's given you the life that you've been searching for. He's giving you the hope that seems so evasive. He's giving you the peace that you've traveled to the other end of the world to find, to discover that when you got there, you were there too and there was no peace. He's given you the most incredible and most glorious appetite for that which is good. In fact, inside of you is the hope of the glory that God would abide in you in all of his fullness. We need to not be distracted by what the enemy's trying to steal. We need to be attracted to what Jesus has placed in our lives. We need to be preoccupied with the abundance of his presence. We need to celebrate him, exalt him, and align our hearts and our lives to him to such a point that sin no longer seems to be a problem. We can avoid all of that if we pay attention to all that he is. When I'm thinking about sin and thinking about being free from it and thinking about coping with it, here's the truth, church. I'm still thinking about it. And the Bible says, so as a man or a woman thinks, they end up living. But when I'm preoccupied with his goodness, besotted by his beauty, stirred by his glory, fascinated by his incredible intelligence, I will find myself drawn fuller and fuller and fuller into this abundant life that Jesus Christ has indeed paid for. The thief, he came and he keeps on coming to steal from you the very thing that Jesus came to give to you, and that is life. Life in all its fullness. Life that's good. Life that's full of joy. Life that's full of peace. Everything you and I have been looking for is found in the person Jesus. He simply is breathtaking in his capacity to bring life to a broken humanity. Jesus stepped into your world, not just so that your sins would be forgiven. That was the gateway to something more. He stepped into your world so that your sins could be forgiven and that you could be brought into the relationship God always intended to have with you. A relationship that caused your heart to flourish, your mind to be full and alert, and your life to be gloriously overwhelmed by the goodness of God. It's time to put down the daisy. He loves me. He loves me not. I'm telling you today, and you can read it for yourself, that God's intentions for you is abundance. God likes you. We're playing catch up, but he likes you. He's for you, and he's with you. So when I stop to think about who I am and who we are as a people who belong to God, I know that we're cherished. I know that we're loved. I know that God celebrates us. And I know that God is present with us. 
And I know that Jesus has provided for us everything pertaining to the life that we've been distracted all these years trying to find. We find it only in relationship, only in his presence, only in this glorious invitation from him to us to abide in all of his goodness so that that goodness can begin to shape our internal world and turn up in our external reality. The thief will always try to steal. How many of us have tried to stop him? Are you a little exhausted with that? I think you need to give him no attention and let turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and listen to the hymn writer. And the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sin avoidance is a fool's game. Kingdom abundance is an invitation from heaven. Choose you this day which way you will live. But as for me and my house, I know that God's way is always going to be the best way for me. Will you stand to your feet with me, please? If you're a guest here this afternoon and this is your first time maybe or you've returned to this kind of environment after a long time, can I just tell you a little bit about what we're about? We're not here to critique your life. For the truth is, whoever you are, if you were to look at ours, you'd, you'd see far more wrong than maybe is in yours. We're just all of us broken people. But we also want to add to that, there's room for more of us. If you're broken and in need of God, this is the best place for you to be because you're amongst friends and fellow sojourners who understand the difficulties of life. And our invitation to you this afternoon is not just to leave here thinking about your brokenness. Our invitation to you this afternoon is to accept his goodness. Trust me, it's a better alternative than living in the reality of your frailty. When you start to ask God to show you who he is, he will show up and you will discover, as we have, that he's far better than you first imagined he ever could be. In fact, I've spent the last 33 years coming to terms with how good God truly is. So ask him to reveal his heart to you. There are some people here who don't know Jesus. It would be tragic for us not to offer you the opportunity to invite him to come closer to your heart and nearer to your life. In fact, it would be crazy because he said he came into this world that you may have life and life in all its fullness. I wouldn't go home without getting some of that action. I would pray, the best prayer I could pray, something like this, Lord Jesus, I need that life. I want that life. I crave that life. And if you're the source of it, then I'll take you wholeheartedly into my life so that you can live your life in and through me. That's a great prayer. If you're a Christian here today and you're inconsistent in your love and affection for God, welcome to the community. <laughs> I've had more comebacks than take that. <laughs> and how sick are you of them? 
God is a redeeming God. He turns every setback into an opportunity to come back. And it doesn't matter how inconsistent you are. Here's the great truth. He is permanent. Permanent. Same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And your inconsistency will abate at one point, but his permanence will never subside. He will always be God. He has always been God. And you can live your life dependent upon that truth. So just come home. <laughs> just come back. Just say, God, I don't want to live you love me, you don't love me kind of way. I don't want to be double-minded in the way I live my life. Can I grow in my permanence to become a little bit more like you, God? I think he'll take you up on that invitation. And I think he'll help you because he's good and kind. Now lift your hands for me, all of us in the room, please. There's not a man, a woman, a child in this room who doesn't crave a good life. We've worked hard to attain it. We've studied, we've labored, we've made the effort, poured in a lot of energy to try and have this life. And yet it feels elusive. It feels fractured and often when we get what we want, it never truly satisfies. But Jesus said, there's a battle for your life and your attention. The thief has come to steal the good I've placed in it, but I have come, I have superseded his attempts. I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. God likes you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's for you. He's with you. And because that is true, you can have the life that's in him. It's available to you through that reconnection that is yours because of Christ Jesus. So, Father, I just call down into every heart, into every mind, into every life, this good life that you have provided for us. Could I have a piece of that action, Lord, today? Could I feel your goodness? Could I sense your kindness? Could I experience your joy? Could I just fall into and be overwhelmed by your peace? If you are all of this and so much more, Jesus, then release it to my heart and to my life right now. Because God, I'm wearied looking everywhere when I find myself here, and I know that you're here with me, I resign in my heart, Lord God, you're the only one who can give me the life I've been searching for. I'm weary trying to hold on to the good, so could you overwhelm me with your goodness, God? Make me preoccupied with this brand new, glorious, abundant life that you've provided for me. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. In a few moments, we're going to have our baptism candidates. I think we have four people getting baptized today, starting this glorious adventure with Jesus. Excited for you. And we would just love you to hang around and just listen to their stories and the wonderful way that this new life, this abundant life that Jesus has provided and given them has started to reshape their ordinary lives into something quite exceptional. We're going to finish with a prayer. Is that okay? Two of us are talking to me now. It's getting worse. Can we finish with a prayer? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever and ever. Amen. Church, have a great week. If you're staying with us for the baptisms, just move forward. Our worship team are going to lead us in one song as we make that transition. God bless you.